Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. So, Christmas is right around the corner, eh? It's coming right up on us, and that's so cool. It's really cool. I saw some students coming in, so welcome to you guys that are coming back from school from wherever you're coming. Pastor Bruce is busy this morning picking up Braden still from the airport. I don't know. We're going to have to get together and start and help figure out how to get Braden here without a storm every time. Last year as well, Bruce was supposed to be uh, coming in on this... Uh, Coming, Braden was coming in and Bruce was supposed to be back for Sunday morning. We had to switch gears a little bit and, and shuffle some things up and again this year. So anyhow, pray for them uh, as they're already trying to figure out uh, this holiday with a bit of a twist right off the hop. If you are just coming home from school or maybe you're just joining us for some other reason, we're in the middle of a series called Anticipation and it's all about the anticipation of Christmas where we look at the different things that we can anticipate on the basis of Christmas. So Pastor Bruce started us off, kicked off this series with the whole idea of the anticipation that we have around God's plan. Then last week, we looked at the anticipation that is ours through prophecy and what we can anticipate because of the fulfilled prophecies of Christmas. And this week, we're going to look at the anticipation around peace, our anticipation of peace at Christmas. And Christmas points us to peace, doesn't it? I think even... The world around us has this lingering concept of peace at Christmas, and they're hanging on to that idea that peace should somehow be involved with Christmas, and that Christmas is somehow involved with peace. And it's interesting to me because there's not much that the world has been able to retain that's true about Christmas. We've been able to navigate it and deviate from it in so many different ways, but there's still this lingering idea in the world around us, I would contend, that Christmas has something to do with peace, and yet, at the very same time, the way that they package that and the way that they're pursuing that is still leaving us a lot to be desired. There's still a big difference between the peace that we find truly at Christmas in the world and the way that they're trying to present and package that. So, before we dive in, let's just pray once more. Let's ask God to come and speak to us and uh, open our hearts and our ears to Him this morning. Father, today again, just as we come to Your Word and as we think about ourselves as Your people, um, and Lord, as even we try and think about this idea of sharing with the world around us, who you are, telling the world what you've done, the peace that you've brought through your Son. God, I pray that you would help us today to understand it just a wee bit better, uh, to be able to appropriate it for ourselves in our lives that much more, and that you would help us to grow in our ability uh, to bring others to the Prince of Peace and the Prince of Peace to others. So to that end, would you work in our hearts and our minds today by your Spirit, Father, 
grow us and change us as your people. All for Jesus' sake, and in his name I pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to start by going back to where we left off last week. So if you'd turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And there once again, we read this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So long before Christ's appearance, Isaiah tells us not only of his impending arrival, but also the nature of his mission. That Christ is coming, and that as he comes, he is coming to reign and to bring peace. That his mission is a mission of peace this morning. So Isaiah says that, that he will be called Prince of Peace and that of this peace there will be no end. And then lo and behold, in the fullness of God's time, Jesus arrives. And as a part of the inauguration of all inaugurations. We read this from Luke. In Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Prince of Peace had arrived. And right from the very beginning, right from the very beginning, we see that the peace that Jesus brings is very different than the peace of this world. This morning, I want to look at what we can anticipate of the peace offered by the Prince of Peace and how it stands in sharp contrast then to the semblance of peace promoted and propagated and pursued by the world. So we're going to look at four different distinctions this morning between the peace of the Prince of Peace and the peace of this world. And then after that, we want to look at one last thing that I think we have to keep in mind and that we should be anticipating by virtue of 
Jesus' mission of peace. So firstly this morning, we need to note this. That while the world tells us today that peace can be accomplished by man, that you and I can accomplish peace, the peace offered by the Prince of Peace comes only, only, as we recognize and revere God. We see that from the angel's initial words to us, from their announcement. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those upon, whose his fa- upon whom His favor rests. The angels declare it to us that as we give glory to God, then there will be peace for you and I today. As we recognize and acknowledge God, then peace is ours from Him. That's the way that it comes. It's not until we give glory to God that we can appropriate that peace. Until we come to that point, where we recognize who Jesus is. Until we come to that point where we also regard Him then for who He is. And then until the point we come that we reverence Him on account of who we make Him in our lives. Then the peace offered by the Prince of Peace isn't ours. But once we come to that point, then the Prince of Peace comes to us and offers us His peace today. This is a challenge for so many of us and in the world around us as a whole. I think that we inherently desire peace, don't we? We want peace. But in our pride, or at the very least in our ignorance, rather than looking to God for peace, we continue to try and seek it for ourselves and accomplish it on our own. We seek for it in other places than with God, than from God. We try and accomplish it on other terms than through our submission to God. We try and achieve it in our relationships, don't we? It's how we approach most of our relationships. Maybe even primarily with our spouse. We expect that somehow they're going to deliver for us peace, that they're going to come alongside us and that they're going to make my life better and that I'm going to have peace not going to have to take out the garbage. I'm going to have a peaceful Saturday morning. I'm not going to have to do the dishes. I'm not going to have to go out and shovel the walk. Whatever it is, we expect that they're going to bring us peace. And when they're not living up to their part of the deal, then my peace is shattered and it's their fault. We try and accomplish peace through our wealth, don't we? Don't we? We go out and we try and Achieve more. We try and attain more. 
thinking that somehow that that's going to solve all our problems, that's going to then relieve the stress and pressure in my life, and I'm just going to be at peace. If I could only find somebody that could do this or do that, or if I could just have enough money that I would be able to pay for that being done, that I wouldn't have to worry about this or that or the other thing. So the path to peace is through monetary means for so many of us. Maybe the path to peace today for us is through our circumstances. And we're busy trying to adjust or change our circumstances so that we can accomplish peace. If I could just get things to go this way, if I could just be over there in that job, or if I could just be over there with that person, if I could just be at that school, if I didn't have to have this class, if I could more organize my world, my circumstances, then I would be at peace. I'd be able to just relax. So from the very beginning, we see this marked contrast between the way that we try and accomplish peace on our own and what peace, the peace that the Prince of Peace offers us this morning. Jesus says, give glory to God. Recognize who I am. Regard me for who I am and what I've done. Adore me like we've been singing. And I will give you peace. I'll look after that. I got you covered. The world keeps telling us, don't buy into that. You can do it on your own. You got this. Let's just work together. We can make it happen. This isn't the only difference when it comes to peace, the peace offered by the Prince of Peace. And from here, I think that the differences just get more marked and more significant. So let's continue. Secondly, the Prince of Peace offered through, or sorry, the peace offered through Christ is first and foremost peace with God. While the peace that this world offers is at best the secondary peace of peace on our level. On our level. Man's level. This morning, peace with the world around us is a good thing. I'm not here throwing shade at that. But we've got to understand that it pales in comparison to the greater issue of a peaceful relationship with God. And here again, the world just doesn't get this. The world hasn't come to grips with this yet. That right now, as we disregard the Prince of Peace, that we don't have peace with God. That our relationship has been broken by sin. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about a problem. We don't especially want to talk about a problem that is our problem. And so they go on trying to accomplish peace on this level. 
peace down here. Interpersonal peace, circumstantial peace, what have you. And they're missing the fact that our biggest problem is peace with God. Because here's why that's our biggest problem. That as we introduce sin into our world, and as we appropriately did that for ourselves, brought sin upon ourselves, then a holy God has to respond to that sin. And so that provoked then the arrival of death as a consequence of sin. A holy God can't abide sin. They can't coexist together. And so His holiness overrules that option and sin becomes punishable by death and hell. And so as we have sinned then, and as we've broken that relationship with God, then we are no longer at peace with Him. We are now enemies with God on account of our sin. But the good news is that Jesus came in order to take the punishment of our sin, which is to say that He came to die in our place, to take that punishment, so that we could have a restored relationship with God and therefore could be at peace once more with Almighty God. Listen to Paul's words to us in Romans 5, verses 9 and 10. Talking about what Jesus has done. Paul says this, Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? And then Romans 5.1 sort of sums it all up for us. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our biggest issue when it comes to peace this morning. Is to have peace with God. Without peace with God, peace at any other level is devastatingly hollow. It is a, an abysmal consolation to us. For you and I to have peace at this level here and still not have peace at this level here with God, we are settling for something that is just such, such a pittance. It doesn't compare. So the Prince of Peace comes along and like all things with God, He addresses our primary problem first, which is our relationship with God that's been broken by sin. That's what he's all about. That's the mission of peace that he came primarily to accomplish. Is to restore that issue in that relationship. Reminds me of the verse, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his whole soul, his own soul? 
world's running around today trying to accomplish peace on this level. They're trying to accomplish peace between people. They're trying to accomplish peace on bigger levels, but they're not coming anywhere close to accomplishing peace with God. Because that's only accomplished through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Thirdly this morning, while the world tries to build peace through our circumstances, the Prince of Peace offers us peace that transcends our circumstances. And here and again we see such a sharp contrast. The world is trying to string together circumstances in a long line enough so that we can have some sort of a semblance of peace. And Jesus comes along and, and says to us, hey, listen, kids, in this world you're going to have trouble straight up. That's just the reality. You're not going to be able to string circumstances long enough to have peace where you can rest in your soul. But don't worry because I've got you covered in that as well. John 14, 27 says this, Jesus speaking, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then in Philippians 4, verse 7, we read this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This morning, as we look at the peace of this world and the peace offered to us by the Prince of Peace, we see that the Prince of Peace comes along and says to us, in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of the junk of this world, all of these things that have been brought about on account of sin, beyond just our separation from God. In the midst of all of that, not only will I offer you peace with God, but I will give you peace to trans that transcends those issues, those hurts, those pressures, those stresses those challenges. And this morning, now therein is consolation. We are not forgotten by God in those challenges. We are not ignored by God in the midst of our pressures and issues. We are not alone in those. But God comes alongside us and offers us a peace that will usher us through them. A peace that transcends understanding. Wherein even as we're experiencing those hurts and those pains, that we have peace within us. Despite it all. And therein is also a gift to us today from the Prince of Peace, whereby we can know God to be real and tangible and relevant in our lives. That as we experience Him in those areas, in those times, 
And he's, as he proves himself real to you and I, by virtue of giving us a peace, a confidence, an assurance that transcends understanding, where the rest of the world looks at us and says, what is going on? How can you manage to cope? That we would know him on a whole nother level, which just in my mind translates to peace even that much more at my core. As I find him to be real, as I find him to be true, I find peace. My soul rests knowing that I don't understand all of this and I can't change it, but I know that God is there and I know that he's enough. And that one day, it's either going to make sense or it's not going to matter. It's not going to be of any ill consequence. Because of him. This morning, number four, we find that the peace that the world offers is at best fleeting. But the peace offered to us again by the Prince of Peace is everlasting. Phenomenal. Some asked this morning, I'm sure, well, what does that mean? What are you actually saying? How does that work, that this peace is everlasting? I just don't, I don't get it. I hear you, but I don't get it. And I think that Jesus' words to the people in John chapter 6 here are informative to us today. And you'll remember, this is where Jesus is talking to some people just after he's fed the 5,000. And he's gone across to the other side of the water and, and these people wake up and they find that he's not there and so they come chasing after him. And as they find him, we, we discover that they're really not chasing after Jesus because they're interested in Jesus. They're looking again for the fringe benefits that go with him. They've just had their whole stomachs filled. And they've come looking again for more goodies, if you will. And so Jesus challenges them on this. And he, he does so by saying, hey, why are you guys working for just food? Just food. When you could be working for food that never ends, everlasting food. And this food that brings eternal life. So the people look at him and say, well, yeah, how do, how do we get in on that food? How do, we, how do we do the work that leads to everlasting life? And Jesus says that the work that leads to eternal life is to believe in the one God sent, which is to say, believe in me. So then, that not being quite good enough, these people look at him and say, well, how about a sign? How about a sign, Jesus? Moses produced manna 
for our ancestors out in the desert, how about you give us a sign? And so Jesus speaks into their worlds a little bit more. And he says this in verses 35 to 40. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I'm the sign. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. He calls him out. All those the Father gives me. Now this is where it gets interesting. This morning, we've got to understand this, these next three verses, four verses. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall, not, shall, not, shall lose none of all those whom he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up in that last day. And that, this morning, church family and friends, is how the Prince of Peace's peace is eternal. Because for you and I, not only death, death can't separate it from us. For you and I, our lives go on with God in peace through Christ who will raise us up in that last day and usher us into eternity under His reign and under His peace. We get a glimpse of what that looks like in Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4. One day, this will be our experience. John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And that sounds awfully peaceful to me. Interestingly enough, Isaiah also gives us a picture of what that's going to be like in Isaiah 11. So just after what he wrote to us about this coming Prince of Peace, then he gives us a picture of what that's going to look like in Isaiah 11, verses 6 to 9. There Isaiah says, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. 
The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Peace offered by the Prince of Peace has no end. The world around us needs to hear that as they scramble to accomplish peace that can't help but end. Lastly this morning, given the arrival of Jesus and His mission, you and I and all of us that claim Him as Lord today need to anticipate participating in that mission as well. I don't think that we can have a message this morning about the Prince of Peace coming on this mission of peace without recognizing now our part in that mission as well. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. This morning, for those of us that follow Christ, we are to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, which is to say that we need to go to Him, that we need to rely on Him, we need to learn to interact with Him in such a way that peace rules in our hearts. That as we encounter the situations and the circumstances of life that are anything but peaceful, that somehow through that, then we demonstrate for ourselves and for others, that we have a peace and a confidence that the rest of the world doesn't have. That's something that we need to learn to do and exercise and grow in as His people. That's something that we need to invest ourselves in. We have to accomplish, do our part to accomplish, which is to say we've got to learn to know God. We've got to dive in and begin to, to grow in our relationship with Him so that that can be our reality. Beyond that then, Romans fourteen nineteen says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Which is to say that you and I need to be lending ourselves to everything that will bring peace with one another together around us. Which is to say that if I'm not at peace with somebody in my world, then I had best get that resolved to the best of my ability. Now, we can't always accomplish that for them. How they choose to do it, respond to it, that's their deal, that's between them and God. But for our part whether that's friends or family or whatever, that we have to do our best to establish and maintain that peace. So we cannot be running around as God's people today harboring issues and ill will to those around us. And this is a challenge for us all, I know. Especially 
in the last number of months and so on with the world around us. And, and going forward, as we see antagonism growing, as we see hostility breeding and escalating, we need to begin to step up as, as the church, as God's people, and move out into these circumstances and be a, a, a calming bomb not a B-O-M-B bomb, but B-A-L-M bomb, where we bring down the level of difficulty and stress and pressure and hostility, where we intervene in these circumstances to the best of our ability as God enables us and equips us so that we can help people get through these without our world starting to disintegrate and break down because of the antagonism that we're experiencing, we're seeing all around us today. That starts with you and me. That starts at home, maybe. Maybe that starts with our extended family. It carries on to friends. It carries on to co-workers. It carries on to neighbors. It carries on even to strangers sometimes when you have an opportunity to step in and help. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Prince of Peace came on a mission of peace that extends now to you and I as we call him God, as we appropriate that for ourselves, as we acknowledge him as our Lord. We need to now take that peace out, like I prayed earlier, that we would bring people to the Prince of Peace and that we would take the Prince of Peace to people and present to them a peace that can revolutionize their world and our world as a whole. And as we participate in that mission, we can anticipate this morning that God will be with us. 2 Corinthians 13.11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, again today, as we now go out, I pray that you would help us to be mindful of the difference that you bring in the peace that you offer through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would know that, first of all, in terms of our relationship with you. I pray for each one here that they would have come to that point in their hearts and in their minds where they have trusted you as their Lord and Savior, where they recognize you as God, where they understand what you've done and where we reverence you on account of that to the point now, God, where we change the way we live. Lord, that these wouldn't just be words today, that they wouldn't be just warm, fuzzy thoughts and feelings, but this, this would now translate 
into actual action. That as you guide us and as you point out to us and bring to our attention the opportunities that we have to be the hands and feet of peace in the world around us, that you would help us now to step up. For the sake of a world, Father, that doesn't have your peace, doesn't know your peace, and is in desperate need of that today. So to that end, I pray that you might help us to exercise and grow in this, that we would lean into you, that we would grow to know you, that we would experience you more in real and tangible ways, that as we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us and that you would change us. For I ask these things all now in Christ, the Prince of Peace's name, and for his sake alone. Amen. If I don't get a chance to see you before, Merry Christmas. I trust that you're anticipating a lot this year, especially that you're anticipating again knowing God, experiencing him, and all that he will do in and through us as his people and as for us as a church corporately as we go into this next year. I'll see you then.